Welcome to the climb. This is a show dedicated to helping singers, songwriters, and indie artists like you create leverage in the music business. This podcast exists because we want you to win. In order to win in today's music market, it's not just about talent. You're not going to find somebody that's going to develop your talent for you and pay to do it and find your audience for you and pay to do that. You're going to have to come to the table with leverage. And what does leverage mean? That means that you're developed already, that you have a very clear idea of where what your brand is as an artist. And that only comes from doing a bunch of work and writing the right songs and recording them. And, and, and it's a process. The only way out is through and also come with an audience. You need to have an audience for people to, if you want the booking agent, if you want the manager, if you want the record deal, if you want the tour, you're going to have to have that audience. You're going to have to be able to put those butts in seats to make that happen. That's why we called it the climb, C-L-I-M-B, creating leverage in the music business. The genius that created that is my co-host and good friend, Mr. Brent Baxter. He does words well. Um, he's a lyricist and he's an award-winning hit songwriter with cuts by Alan Jackson, Randy Travis, Lady Antebellum, Joe Nichols, and more. And Brent helps songwriters like you turn pro by revealing how you, you write like a pro, how to do business like a pro, and not only that, but he's got several different programs that actually connect you to the pros, the people that can make a difference, that can, that can get your song from point A to point B. And uh, you can find Brent very easily at songwritingpro.com. Once again, that's songwritingpro.com. And I would like to introduce you to my co-host, Johnny Dwinnell. Johnny owns Daredevil Production. They help you find your sound and they help you grow your audience so you can become the artist that everybody loves and so you can get paid. Daredevil has worked with multi-platinum artists like Colin Ray, Tracy Lawrence, Ty Herndon, and Andy Griggs, just to name a few. You can find Johnny at daredevilproduction.com. That's production singular with no S and there is no S because there is no other Johnny D. How you doing, brother? Man, I'm doing all right. Although, I mean, I'm not doing as well as some of your your uh, daredevil artists are apparently. <laughs> How's that? Because they're apparently on fire. Yes, we had a good year. You did have a good year, yes. Yeah, so I saw that uh, you got an ad coming out in Music Row magazine. What's well, it? It's already out. Kind of. Is it already out? Mm-hmm. All right, good. So that tells you how how current I am on things. But yeah, you had five artists in the top forty five of the Music Row charts in 2017. So yeah. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to, to Tony yeah. McKee and Bailey James and who else? Williams Honor. Nick and, and Amber Hayes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. And, and Mark Bray. Mark Bray. There you go. So, congratulations to them and to you. So, getting, getting some airplay, growing some business, helping people on their climb. Good stuff, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah. They all got uh, very nice social media accounts that are constantly growing, too. So, we're real proud of that. I, I think... Um, to the best of my knowledge, don't quote me on this, but I, mm-hmm. I think the only entities that have more than five artists in the top 45 are going to be your big labels. Nice. So, so, and these are all indie artists and, um, you know, we, this is how we stewarded their money. It's their budgets, but, um, so you're getting them up in those, those charts with a lot less overhead <laughs> than, than like broken bow <laughs> yeah. or big machine. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they got everything going on. It's all for them. And, um, and we just had a good time doing it. So thanks for bringing that up. They're big machine. You're like fast and we're, mean. We're little machine. Little machine. Mean right. and lean and mean. 
machine. <laughs> Wait a minute. That's right. Well, hey, uh, guys, uh, listen, if you, um, if you like this podcast, again, we, this exists because we want you to win. If you've got friends and you want them to win too, and they could benefit from this information, please share it. Join the Climb community. If you haven't done that on Facebook, just go to Facebook, search for the Climb community, ask, request to be let in. We'll let you in if you ask, and you have to be good boys and girls because uh, if you're not, then you're asking to be let out, and we will show you the door. Mm-hmm. But there's lots of information in there. Brent and I respond to uh, all the questions at some point or another. And what's really cool is just the communities helping each other. I mean, creatively with, uh, I mean, lots of times we, we have certain days where people can talk about their wins and certain days where we have creative exercises, just good information, industry information. I try to share stuff I run across that I think would be valuable to you as, as much as we could on there. Um, subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. That way you automatically get the episodes right in your phone on Tuesday. You don't have to go think about it. It's already there. It'll prompt you and say, we got a new one for you. Mm. That's always good. And, um, and there you go. And last thing, last but least, not least, leave a rating and review. Um, that tells other people that are thinking about coming in. Yeah, yeah I think I'll legit. check it out. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it, makes, it makes it legit for them. Of course, it makes our egos feel really good, which we're excited about. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll make you famous and we'll read it on the air. And uh, I think, do we have one more that we got to read, actually? Uh, yes, we do. We do have one. Let me pull it up here. We have a five-star review from JSOX42, left on December 7th, uh, my mama's birthday, and a day that will live in infamy, but not in infamy here, because it's a good day, because you left a five-star review called Tasty Treats While Stuck in My Seat. There you go. So either, uh, either you outgrew your movie theater seat, but you got some popcorn, or you travel a lot. But either way, I like the internal rhyme. You ought to think about being a writer. So Jay Sock says, I travel a lot and Brent and Johnny keep me, come, keep me going. You guys help motivate me to keep doing the good things I'm doing, stop doing the bad things, and start doing the things I should have been doing for years. The music business is challenging and you two are a shiny beacon for many to follow. Thank you so much, Josh Cleveland. Thank you, Josh, man. Thanks for uh, Thank leaving you, that Josh. review. That makes us all warm and tingly inside. Merry Christmas to us. Yes, it does. And did you have a good Christmas, by the way, Brent? Good? I, I'm, I'm hoping so. I mean, we're recording this ahead of time. I'm not going to lie about it. I, I did last Christmas. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got a new Christmas. You got a bigger child. A much bigger family. And at the moment, I ought to be in uh, Missouri uh, at my in-law's place. Uh, eating uh, my mother-in-law's cooking, which is quite good. Mm. And uh, stuck in the house with way too many people. So right now I'm hopefully taking a walk okay. <laughs> out for a minute, but yeah, I expect to have a good Christmas. Yeah. First Christmas with a uh, Ren and Quill in the house, in our family in America. Uh, so that's going to be cool. Uh, first experience with them to, to be able to, you know, we've celebrated both their first birthdays in the family here uh, recently. Okay. And for them, you know, I had their first Thanksgiving with the family and, uh, and this will be the first Christmas in the family. So it's gonna be really cool just to be able to share all that with them. And yeah. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a special one for sure. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, today we're gonna to do a little uh, some psychological stuff. No um, and I think you know part of that game is is uh, to being an artist, to being a songwriter. You got to have the mental constitution, right? Oh yeah, to be able to do it. And lots of us have uh, common mistakes. And when I say us, I don't mean even songwriters or artists. I mean as human beings, we have mm-hmm. uh, certain mistakes that we do. And so I just want to talk about the necessity for uh, the skill set for separating the emotion from the event, right? Um, mm-hmm. it's, it, it is one of the key skill sets to success is learning how to separate the emotion from the event in certain business and life scenarios. Um, 
you know, I, I refined this concept with me when I occupied a national sales director position for a nationwide short sale corporation. Okay. This, I'm going to bring this around to the artist thing, but just bear with me on this. Uh, after 2008 and the mortgage meltdown happened, I was, I was in LA and there were millions of homeowners who, um, myself included, who were found in the unenviable position of having to sell their home when they were what they call upside down in their mortgage. So in plain English, they owed more and sometimes much more like hundreds of thousands of dollars more than what the property was worth. So they were going to be in the hole when they sold it. They couldn't even afford to pay the the commissions, right, uh, to the real estate agents, which is how they work. And um, almost all the times, and this is this was indicative of a bubble, which the, the, the bubbles happened in Vegas and in uh, Florida and in uh, California, the worst, okay? Middle America wasn't so bad, but, but the bubbles were so big that, um, and so some of the rents went with the bubble, right? If this makes sense. So some people could actually put themselves in a far better real-time financial situation by short selling their house and moving and dramatically lowering their monthly housing costs. Like mm-hmm. because their mortgages were so big or the interest rates were going up because they had a bad product or something like that. They could literally move across the street and rent mm-hmm. a house and have the same size house, with the same pool in the backyard and the same grill, kids going to the same school, have exactly the same lifestyle for sometimes, and I kid you not, like 50% of what they were paying because the mortgages were way bigger because the housing prices were way bigger, but the rents, you know, weren't, weren't weren't inflating like the, like the mortgages were. Right. So they could keep the same lifestyle and, and sometimes, uh, and and again, just cross the street. And sometimes there were literally houses for sale down the street or whatever, or or for, not for sale, but for, um, rent, rent. but people get in their own way headwise. Right. Mm-hmm. So they, they get emotionally attached to a house, which I get. Like we talk about Miranda Lambert's, the house that built me. I mean, mm-hmm. I have a couple, two houses like that, that I think very fondly of. I'll never forget. And so, yes, you're making memories there. But um, I mean, if you cut your monthly mortgage or rent payment in half without changing your lifestyle in your neighborhood, would you do it? Sounds like a no brainer, right? Right. On paper. But the baffling it was the most baffling exercise in communication that I've ever had to go through because homeowners had a problem separating the motion from the event. They would say like our kids grew up here or growing up here. Valid point. Mm-hmm. You can't argue that. I we got the little height marks on the wall, you know, yeah. this family living in there, you know, yeah. but I would have to remind them that, 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 that was a house and in a building and, and it was the family that made it the home. You know, mm-hmm. it was the kids growing up and the parents that wanted to make those hash marks that made that happen. And that could happen elsewhere. Um, and uh, they would they would say, like, you know, this is the best school system. We don't want to move our kids. Another valid concern, even though it was just never a suggestion that you should, your kids should change schools. Right. Like there's, yeah. there's a, a, a truckload of houses in this school district that. Right. <laughs> So the simple fact is that all these good people were facing, uh, you know, were facing, all they were facing was that their investment in the American dream had gone horribly wrong. And uh, if they moved, they could get out from under a huge investment debt that had begun to destroy their financial future as opposed to cultivating equity, right? As opposed to getting ahead, they were, they were too caught up in what happened and trying to dig out of that hole to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this was so there's big studies that were done. And so I'm talking about the mental exercise of what's the right thing to do, right? Mm -hmm. We have been bred and not bred. We have been told 
uh, and appropriately so. Our banking system is built on faith. When you borrow money, you've got to pay it back, right? Yes. But what we have to understand is, and this is where most people go wrong, is that if you look at the history of the housing market, which is very steady um, from when we started doing mortgages in the, in the 30s all the way up until 2017, it's in trending upward right? Mm-hmm. Property, you can't make more land. So property keeps getting more expensive. Right. You can make uh, more people. Right. Now there's lots of peaks and valleys in there. It's like a stock market, right? It goes up, mm-hmm. it goes down, different things happen and it gets crazy, but generally it's going up. So it's a good market. But when you're caught in the middle of one of these things, when you make a contract with the bank, um, it's about, uh, you're, you're promising to pay you back and you're bet and the bank's betting that you're going to, you're going to get, they're going to get paid back on their loan. The bank's also betting the property's going to increase in value. Right. right. And some anomaly isn't going to happen that's going to decrease in it. So you're both in it together. Mm-hmm. And, and this was part of it. Like, this is part of what I was trying to do to get people to, to try to separate from their pride. Yeah. I mean, how many times you've been in a situation where you've seen an artist or a, a writer or somebody not come off a line or not come off a, a certain way of doing things because of their pride, right? They're not, yeah. they're emotional about the way they're doing something. And because they can't, it's, it's even just a good exercise, even if you're right, is to separate the emotion from the event and try to be as, as, as uh, objective as possible about certain decisions that you're making, where you're going to spend money, mm-hmm. where you're going um, you know, to spend your time, mm-hmm. and what's the path that you should be taking towards um, improvement. And the reason I'm talking about this mortgage stuff, and I don't want to bore everybody, but I, I just, you know, I, 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 want, I want people to hear like a real world situation that here's a situation where this is financial circumstances that were out of their control, right? Mm-hmm. They didn't do anything wrong. They're still paying their mortgage. They're still doing it. But all of a sudden now, maybe, maybe what happened was financial times did come on them. Now they can't pay the mortgage and, but they could afford the same lifestyle just by moving across the street and swallowing their pride and in, in, in short selling property or something like that. Mm-hmm. So um, sometimes it was due to horrible decisions that they made. Sometimes they screwed up. Sometimes yeah. you make a mistake and you screwed up and you just got to own up to it and move forward. But either way, the damage was the same, right? The damage was the same. They found themselves in a position where they couldn't pay the mortgage that they had agreed to pay. But unfortunately, the house was worth way less than, than what they owed. No yeah. bank's going to loan you that much money no. up front, right? They're not going right. to loan you 50% more than the house is worth, but that's with the way the market turns. Mm-hmm. So you've got to kind of play the cards as they come at you. Um, but I think that, that artists and people, they were subconsciously punishing themselves for getting the position in the first place. And some of them ended up in foreclosure because of this pride in a far mm-hmm. worse situation than if they would have just short sold the house, right? There was an out, but because they couldn't separate from the pride, uh, it was much worse, right? Foreclosure, yeah. way worse on your credit than, oh, yeah. especially since the government was giving you a pass. Like there was mm-hmm. a number of years where the government gave you a pass and said, look, whatever you're upside down, you don't have to pay taxes on that. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to wipe the slate clean. This is crazy. They're yeah. out of control. And that's where the government came in to help everybody. So they were, they were scared to move. So they screwed themselves. Mm-hmm. Right. Wow. Now we're back to the artist and the music thing. Okay. Yeah. I deal with this every freaking day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that artists and songwriters, they do this too. And they do it often. How many of you are being held back as your good friend is the weak link in your band? Yeah. Um, or your co-writer. Yeah. Yeah. Or your co-writer is the weak link. And, and I mean, I've got situations now. So you ever seen the movie, um, uh, Jerry Maguire? 
Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I, uh, What's you had me at Renee Zellweger. There you go. Before her face was all messed up. <laughs> I, haven't seen her, I haven't seen her face lately. I don't scary, know. Scary, scary, scary. Um, but uh, uh, gosh, I, I'm brain farting on the actor who played Bob Sugar. But uh, he says uh, the famous line, this is not show friends, this is show business. <laughs> yeah. You know, and this is the thing. Was that Cuba Gooden Jr.? Was he the football player or was that no, someone he, else? He was the football player. He was the football player. The guy yeah. who said that was Bob Sugar, the, the other, the, the, the nemesis. other agent, the other agent. Yeah. yeah. Um, gosh, I can't remember his name right now, but um, it's it, it, so. Hello, Pantheon podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com pantheon. Buyraycon.com pantheon. I, I mean, I've got a real world situation like that, mm-hmm. you know, with a group of investors and there's some favoritism going on in there. It's a, uh, it's a group of investors for an artist that we're, that uh, we're working with and show friends, not show money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we, we don't care how stupid this is or how much this doesn't make sense or how this is contradicting everything we just said in this statement right here, but this right. is right. And so, and they, it's their money. They could do whatever they want to do, right? Mm-hmm. But it's hurting the artist. Yeah. And, uh, and you got to live with that. Right. So, uh, how many of you are hurting your brand because your artist child wants to put everything it ever creates up on the world's refrigerator before it's ready, lest you be judged. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, the bitterness of poor quality is remembered long after the sweetness of a low price is forgotten. Right. <laughs> <Think> <laughs> nice. <about> it. <laughs> it's an aftertaste that didn't go away. Yeah, that's right. So how many of you are creating product with poor quality, horrible sonic quality, shoddy performances, amateur arrangements, mediocre songwriting, just because of whatever excuse. Right. I had an artist one time, independent artist, like a couple of years later, apologized to me for his version of my song. That he cut. <laughs> He's no, like, man, I'm sorry, dude. That that song deserved better. It was it was a bad thing all the way. I was like, oh, big bit. Well, thanks for the cut. <laughs> you know, I was like, okay, sorry. That's awkward. So yeah, I think, that bitterness I think, last. Yeah, to that degree, like some some artists, they put every single demo they do, like the, the process they put up on SoundCloud, right, mm-hmm. or they put up on YouTube. And I can tell you this: that nobody gets it. 
and nobody cares but your mother, right? Right. Like, yeah. Put it up when it's done. And if and by the way, I just I was listening to the Bobby Cast this morning, talk with Cassidy Pope. I know you're like halfway through that. Mm-hmm. And and he's like, um, she's embarrassed about the voice performance that she had that got four chairs to turn around. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, it, and because uh, she could hear the nerves in her voice and everything like that, and she won the darn season. Yeah, all right. on nerves the whole time. You know, good for her. Yeah, but, um, that was like you know, five years ago or something like that, season three. But um, that's, so there's, there's, there's something to be said about shipping a, a final right. product, but then there's mm-hmm. something to be said about putting demos up and stuff like that. Like these are good exercises to go through, but the world doesn't get it, right? Like if, if I was refurbishing cars, okay, and uh, you brought me like a 1964 and a half cherry red um, Mustang, Ford Mustang, and uh, I'm refurbishing this for you. And I brought you over, and you're paying me a, a truckload of money to make this thing cherry for you, right? Mm-hmm. You're perfect. The, like the day it rolled off the lot. And I come over to you and I show you the chassis. And I'm like, what do you think? What are you going to think? <laughs> <laughs> when it gets done. You're going to be like, what the hell am I paying for? Right. right yeah. It doesn't make any sense. This is crap. You don't want to show it to him until it's done, man. Right. Yeah. And, and then, and, and the point that I was making about Cassidy Pope is that you know, Bobby Bones said, listen, if you're not embarrassed about everything you just did because you've moved on from that, then you're not growing, you're not moving forward. You're not right. growing as a person. You're not growing as an artist. You know, even if you're digging ditches, right? If you're not like God, 10 years ago, the way I dug ditches, I was a moron. Like I, I'm right. so cleaner, smoother. I didn't know a ditch from a hole in the ground. (laughs) So many of you are so busy lamenting the fact that your careers are not going the way you pictured or or the way you think it would or that it should, that you're completely missing opportunities and the strategies that will effectively get them going. You know, how much energy are you expecting on the emotion versus action towards the actual event? Mm -hmm. I think um, if I can interject here, you know, for one thing, there's a couple things. One is called sunk cost, which I learned about in you know business school and it's when it's the money you've already put into something right and not letting sunk cost dictate what is the best wisest choice for you today don't let yesterday's money that's already gone it's sunk you can't get it back like say you've you know put uh five grand into a a, a record and you're like you know what this is not working this producer's not right this the band's not right. The sound isn't right. This isn't me, but I've already put five grand in a couple more grand. I can be, you know, at least have a project, but what you should do is say, no, well, the money you've already put in there is gone. You you can't get that back. Right. So you look at today and go, okay, is this worth, you know, getting that product that I'm going to, that I'm aiming toward right now, is that worth two grand or is it not worth two grand? Right. The product is going to have the bad producer, bad band, not the right direction for you. Would you pay two grand to get that? No. You know, if you didn't have any money sunk into it, you'd say, no, I wouldn't pay two grand for a project I don't love. But yeah. And then you're like, okay, or would you put two grand toward a product that you will believe in? Well, I'd rather put my two grand toward that. But when you think about your sunk cost, the money you've already put in, like, oh, I'm in too deep. You know, well, I've been dating this girl for five years. I guess we got to get married now. Do you like her? Not really, but we've been dating for five years. I'm going to put all that time in. I hate to just call it a waste. Now think about tomorrow. Yeah, call it if you wouldn't start dating her today, <laughs> don't put a ring on her finger. Yeah. Right. You know, forget about what all came before. So I had, um, you know, I've told the story before, but when I had lunch with that guy at that label and I play some songs for him and he told me the deal about, yeah, you, you'd been one of the biggest writers in town in the nineties, but this was like 2000, 
seven or something, 2008, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and I told a buddy of mine that he said that he's talking about just how I needed to catch up. Basically the, the way that people communicate has changed. I just, the songs I showed him were more old school. I need to get more new school. And I told a buddy of mine that, and he was, he got real emotional about it. He's like, Oh, that's bull. You know, you're a great writer. He just doesn't know what he's talking about. He's like 24 years old or, you know, yeah. but I was like, Whoa, Whoa, let's get pride out of the way. Let's just look at what he said. Let's look at the event. Let's do the math. Let's do the homework and go, Oh yeah. And I noticed when I did that, that yeah, people have started communicating differently. I've, I've got a little in a rut kind of stuck in my ways, writing really well-crafted songs, aiming at a target that's no longer there. So I had to, instead of saying, well, these are great songs. I'm emotionally tied to these. No, I'm going to say the market has not changed because I like these songs so much. I'm not, that was, it would have been foolish to do that. And I'm not going to change the way I do things. There no, I go. started changing the way I do things. And I write much more current now because of that, because I, I separated the emotion from the event. The event was the, the sound sonics, the way the lyrics are structured had moved on. I didn't like that because now some of my songs weren't relevant. Mm-hmm. And if I let that emotion dictate the fact that oh, I'm not going to change, this is what I do. And no, I'm going to change reality with my will. I'd be in a much worse off position right now. That's exactly right, man. That's, that's a perfect articulation of it. I mean, how many of you are procrastinating or avoiding taking action because you're unsure of exactly what it'll look like when you're done? Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to be an artist, then here's the secret. The secret is there is no secret. Be an artist. Be an artist. If you want to be a writer, be a writer. Stop writing the fence and get in the game. Mm-hmm. You know, the statement sounds like it should be filed under the easier said than done category, but uh, I know that. But let's look at the rest of your life. Um, you know, the, let's dissect the destructive phrase, easier said than done. What if you approached your current job with the same attitude that you approached your fledgling artist career? You know, what if you called your boss and told him that you weren't feeling it today? Right? What if you <laughs> yeah. told your boss you weren't coming in because you were scared? Mm-hmm. You know, scared of dropping a tray of food or drinks if you're a server, scared of raking the wrong cocktail if you're a bartender, scared of measuring once and cutting twice on your construction gig, you know, mm-hmm. um, or scared of learning some new software process that they're requiring. I mean, you know, would you have a job? Mm-hmm. No, of course not. You're, you're going to go to work even though you don't have a clear picture of what your day is going to look like and you get through it. You already know how to separate the emotion of your daily job from the daily events that occur. Some of them are great events. Some of them are nasty events. You know, some of the, some of the bad events happen every day for crying out loud. We don't all have, you know, don't we all have like that douchebag at work that we all have to tolerate, you know? <laughs> Um, no matter if it's a coworker or a boss or whatever, but you still push forth every day on a consistent basis, keyword being consistent. Mm-hmm. You do what you have to do and you get your results. And what are your results? Paycheck. Yep. You pay your bills and then you do it again. Logically speaking here, I think you see where I'm going with this. If you'd apply the same predictability, you know, the mundane climb to the staircase of faith that you do at your daily job to your music career you begin to see magnificent results. Magnificent results. Take a deep breath. And let me ask you this. I mean, why do so many of you place the hopes of your future career on meeting the right people that will do it all for you? Mm-hmm. I mean, those drinks aren't going to make themselves. That board isn't going to measure and cut itself. That food isn't going to deliver itself to that table out there. That new software isn't going to learn itself. You got to take action. 
right? Why do you expect anyone in the music industry to jump in and help you for free when you clearly don't want to do it yourself? No, that's the thing. That's one of my rules is don't write with an artist if I want their career to take off more than they do. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know. Think about that. I mean, repeat that bears repeating. Say that one more time. I don't want to write with an artist if I want their career to happen more than they do. And I've been guilty of that. Yeah. You know, because they may have great talent and you're like, oh, being in the room with them, man, maybe they write great songs, but if they're not hustling, it's like, I can't make it happen for you. I should not want this more than you do. Yeah. And so you know, therefore wanting, I can't make it happen. So I'm, I'm out. There's, there's wanting and then there's doing it. Right. And so right. doing it means you really want it. Wanting it is just wanting it. Exactly. Right? I get emails every day from people that are like, I just really want to be a singer. And to use your line, Brand, I'm like, okay, well, if that was a, a crime, how much evidence is there out there to convict you? <laughs> exactly. Well, nothing. I've just been thinking about it a lot, lady. Okay, so you've got nothing going, absolutely nothing. I mean, like, not even like a, a freaking karaoke tape or something. Like, you know, that's wanting, right? Yeah. Awesome. I want to be an astronaut. I really do. I want to go into space. I don't know if it's going to happen ever, but uh, I'm not actively do anything towards it. So I don't have the high hopes of actually getting there. Right. <laughs> right exactly. Um, but, um, you know, you, why would you expect anyone you don't know in the music industry to help you for free when you don't expect anyone, you know, to do your job for you at a regular job, you know, like, you know, yeah. you're not telling your best friend, Hey man, I need you to go in and serve these cocktails today. I'm going to kick back and on the couch and collect the paychecks. <laughs> right. You wouldn't expect that. It's, yeah, well, it's, it's like, you know, the, the bus boys in the back to get tip share, right? So they, they have a vested interest in you doing well. They're like, almost like a manager. They get a little kickback. You do well, yeah. they do well. Yeah. You're not asking the, the bus boys like, Hey, can you go, you know, take the drinks out to this table and can you do this and that? And the other thing while I sit in the back and smoke a cigarette, why you, I mean, you get tip share, you got something in it. Yeah. They're like, no. Yeah. Not gonna, not gonna, not gonna happen. So how is it that you can separate the emotion from the events occurring in your day job, but you're afraid to make a move in your artist career? You know, you know, is it because you can't see exactly how it will look? You can't see the whole staircase as it were, you know, why are you not as fearful about these same issues on your day job? I mean, who knows what could happen, right? Mm -hmm. Where do you get the courage to consistently go to work and face the terrifying unknown, but fail to execute the same brave behavior with your artist career? I've got news for you. You're never going to know exactly how it will work out at your day job or your artist career. Your artist career will never develop exactly as you planned it, period. Um, your boss doesn't want you to make the same mistakes over and over. He or, he or she expects you to learn at your position and improve. And uh, in fact, your current boss is banking on that concept with you. That's what we interview for with our interns. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you that right now at Daredevil. Like, I, you know, we got, we got 56 applications at the latest Belmont internship. Fair. Cool. That was double what we got the, the semester before, double. Mm -hmm. So people want to work here and they want to work here bad. And I'm asking them, I'm not interested in what they know. I'm interested in how they think, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm interested in how they behave. Yeah. Like, what happens when you get, we get into a sticky situation? What are you going to do? You know, how are you going to react? How are you going to separate the emotion from the event? That's what mm -hmm. I want to know. Can you do that? You know? Um, so for some of you, and you know who you are out there, your bosses have more faith in your abilities to learn and improve at your day job than you have in yourself to learn and, and improve at your artist career. Let that one sink. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're going to have to get serious about your artist career and change your behavior if you expect to see real results. You're going to have to work smarter. You're going to have to make some mistakes. You're going to have to invest some time, some more time, find the time. 
Mm-hmm. You know, stop, stop playing basketball every Wednesday and start writing in that three hour period or that four hour period. Um, you have to spend some money. You have to spend some money and, 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 and guess what? You're going to make a couple of mistakes, but are they mistakes? You know, depends on what they? you do with them. Yeah. It just depends on if you learn from them or not, you, you know, you're going to have to pay for some training so you can learn to be better. You're going to have to, you know, you're listening to this podcast because you want to learn to be better, mm-hmm. right? You're going to have to do this yourself. You're going to have to create momentum. And I promise once you have momentum, the important people that you seek, they're going to appear. They're going to come to you. You'll have more leverage in the relationship. Like when, uh, like, you know, you have more leverage when they're seeking you out than if you have your hat in your hand and you're seeking them out. For sure. That, that should be the goal. Mm-hmm. You, know, you kind of want them coming to you. You want them to know about you already. But that doesn't mean you sit still and wait for people to find you. That's right. That's you right. want to be doing enough. Was it opportunity is attracted to activity. That's right. So you got to be doing activity for opportunity to come knocking. That's you can't right. Just sit there and hope they find you, even though it is fun. Yeah. And, and you know what? And the, listen, the, uh, on that activity note here, the difference between artists and professional artists is simply commerce by definition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're doing business, you know, and the rest of the details naturally organically improve. If you have a heartbeat and a brain, your art will get better. The more you do your art, your mm-hmm. business acumen will develop. Your relationships will develop the more you try to create relationships and the things that were once foreign to you and unimaginable will become second nature to you, like tying your shoes or tuning a guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yes, you're going to have to work extra hours above the demands of your day job. That's called being uh, an entrepreneur, right? Welcome yeah. to the world of professional artists. Mm-hmm. But professionals are all in, man. And I mean, don't get me wrong. They get pissed off when things don't go their way, but they press on. There's no right. such thing as spare time. There's no such thing as free time. There's nope. only lifetime. There's only lifetime. So don't waste it by avoiding what you love to do. You know, you already know how to separate the emotion from the event, but you're not doing it in your artist career. And that's what I wanted this episode to be about. Cool. I feel motivated. I'm going to run through a brick wall now. (laughs) Awesome. Well, hey, listen, guys, um, you know, we are really proud of the fact that we had uh, five artists in the top 45 in the secondary radio charts this year. So, um, that's a big accomplishment for those artists. It's a big accomplishment for us. Uh, I work uh, with Randy Barber, who we interviewed on, on uh, for Barfrog Music. We interviewed a couple episodes ago. And um, hey, maybe your budget isn't big enough where you can afford Barfrog or you can afford Daredevil, but you can afford to get some one-on-one consultation. And I'll help you craft something that's personal to you. I'll help you transform yourself from, uh, you know, maybe a local artist into a regional artist, into an artist that everybody loves. And we want to help you with that. So reach out to us at info at daredevilproduction.com. Once again, production is singular. There is no uh, S. It's info at daredevilproduction.com and request an artist consultation. You'd be amazed at what we can get accomplished in one hour even. And um, we'd, we'd love to be there for you, find out what you're doing and, and get you to the point where you're cash flowing enough to where you can come back and afford us. We're interested in helping you with that. So that said, guys, uh, once again, join the climb community, subscribe to the podcast. If, if you like this stuff and, and, and you're listening to multiple shows, please share it. And keep on climbing. And we'll see you at the top.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 